Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, excited to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast here actually recording on a Monday morning. So we're still kind of waking up, getting some uh, caffeine flowing. And I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to speak with Sharon Johnson about Canvas to start our week off because that is just an LMS that I know statewide we've invested in. And so there are a lot of questions that teachers have, that administrators have, that really our ESUs and our, our state level employees have too about how we can best leverage this LMS to help us collaborate and facilitate learning both in person uh, and remotely across the state. And so there is no one that I know of within Nebraska that would be more fit to have this type of conversation. So Shara, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you join us today. Good morning. And uh, for those that don't know you, can you uh, kind of give us a little bit of your background in education and how it came to be that you're so involved with this whole Canvas initiative? Absolutely. So I live in Northeastern Nebraska. I used to be a math teacher in Tekema Herman. I taught for about 12 years in a classroom. And we actually started to look for an LMS my last year at Tekema. And we were kind of weighing pros and cons at our superintendent he really wanted us to have one LMS to support all our learners, that we weren't having students actually try to manage multiple platforms. And so we went with Canvas that year and it was kind of a bumble of a implementation. I tell you what, it was interesting. But um, we went with Canvas that year and I basically fell in love. And when that school year was over, Canvas came to me and said, hey, would you like a job? And I went and worked for them full time. And I walked away from the classroom for a little bit only to be hired back by ESU to help support our schools with Canvas. So I am currently employed by the ESU, have been there for about five years. And really my primary job is I support our local schools. So we have 14 of our schools that use Canvas and I'm kind of the admin support, help with teachers, help with blend ed initiatives, all of that good stuff. So Canvas is kind of my jam, yeah. Well, and I know we're really lucky to have you and and um, and to have you on the podcast too today to kind of explain some things. And so we're going to go from kind of maybe the most zoomed in level of what is an LMS, which we're talking about a learning management system. And so we'll, we'll, we'll go there all the way out to maybe how this can enhance our collaboration statewide, but uh, help us out to begin with, right? So learning management system, what does this do for a school, for a classroom? Uh, and maybe even in the midst of that conversation, we can start to explore what sets Canvas apart from some of the other opportunities that are out there there through LMSs that exist. Yeah, absolutely. So I always tell people, I try to keep it as short as possible. There are like three main things that make a learning management system really powerful. Number one, it allows us to communicate. In this instance, we're communicating with students and faculty, but what we've seen in the pandemic is not only is it just students and faculty, but really those kind of fingers went out to the parents as well. And so our communication became so much more important. So that's number one, it allows us to communicate. Um, number two is it allows us to curate content or basically deliver content. So whether it's a lesson or whether we're doing station rotation in our classroom or whether it's some sort of video that we're delivering in an assignment, we're delivering content or curating content. And then lastly, it really allows the student to, you know, they receive the content and they're actually able to respond, but it allows us to provide feedback. So it's not just like a flat interaction. We're kind of going back and forth, right? We're communicating, we're delivering something that they need in order to learn, they're responding, and then we're able to give really powerful and timely feedback um, inside of Canvas. So 
really that communication piece is so strong and it kind of goes throughout the whole web, but communicate, deliver content and provide feedback is kind of it in a nutshell. And so with that, then I know there are other options out there. Some people might be familiar with something like Schoology or, or Blackboard. Uh, and so what is it about Canvas that maybe led to this being a statewide initiative? And, and what, what's really its strengths? What makes it stand out? Well, for us in Nebraska, it's a little different. We really have had this surge in the post-secondary area. Um, and it's really started, with, I think, with like Creighton and Midland. Creighton and Midland have been using Canvas for like seven years, a long time, eight years maybe. And they kind of started it in Nebraska. And since then, the university system has gone to Canvas. Our community colleges have started to go that direction as well. Wayne State now has gone to Canvas. I know University of St. Mary's. We have the, the Omaha um, UNO, UNMC, Creighton. They've pretty much kind of, our post-secondary institutions have really gone that direction. So I, I think about a couple of years ago, you know, three years ago, we started doing the state Canvas conferences. And when I started that, I really was trying to get some of those post-secondary people involved as well. And just the vast depth of knowledge we had from all of our universities, it was a really great committee, but they're really heavily invested. And so I think when the, you know, our K-12 system was looking for an LMS, it just makes sense that, that we would kind of look for that PK-12, PK-20 solution. So that's one of the reasons we went that direction. And it is a really powerful, I, I use the word integrationful, which I totally think I made up, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's a super powerful system. I, I think it's intuitive. People will often say it's pretty intuitive, but it's, it's just super powerful. There are so many more things you can do with it. And sometimes I'm just amazed that I learn something new every day. I'm like, holy smokes, I didn't know it could do that. And there's just so many possibilities and so many integrations. They work with like Google and Office and a lot of those little LTIs or little applications that makes it so powerful and rich. But no, I was just, I was in a concession stand line a couple of days ago and I was getting popcorn at my girls' volleyball game and a mom came up to me and she said, you know what? I am so glad we use Canvas at Oakland Craig. And I said, why is that? And she said, because of this pandemic, my son doesn't have a single in-person class this fall. But because he knows how to use Canvas, it's like that barrier is down. He doesn't have to stress so much about now I'm in college and now I'm in this whole new environment. And I'm having to learn this other way of learning. He's already been there, done that. So it was just one less thing to kind of hurdle. Uh, so I thought that was a pretty, pretty nice to think about that PK-20 solution. That's, that's a really great way to put it from a parent's perspective. So. And LMS is so important in that regards too, like you're saying there, because it, it helps to facilitate and communicate and teacher clarity at this time when students are trying to figure out what it means to really be uh, driving their own learning. You know, mm -hmm. I think we always aspire for that in blended best practices. Uh, but at the same time, I wouldn't say that that's always been a widespread expectation. And learners, uh, I think as far back as March, really have kind of struggled with being thrown into that role. Uh, and so the more things that can be in place to help make those expectations concise, clear, and really housed in one spot too. You know, I, I want to be able to, as you said earlier, watch the video, do the assignment, and submit it all kind of in the same place, I think just makes everybody's life a little easier and brings stress level down. And who doesn't want more of that <laughs> at this time? Uh, and I think that brings up something I wanted to explore a little bit. You mentioned LTIs a little bit ago. And when you say that it works well or plays nice with Google, uh, I'm not sure that everybody maybe understands what I've like come to learn over the last couple of months here as I'm a little bit new to Canvas, what that means yeah, what does that look like, right? Yeah, like that these sure. different programs are able to sort of almost be embedded within Canvas. 
Yeah. So the kids that it doesn't even really know that they've gone outside of Canvas because it really, it's kind of like a springboard. Canvas is a springboard for all sorts of different activities. But, you know, as a teacher, I can actually link my Google Drive directly to Canvas and I can pull in content. So say, for example, maybe you have a slideshow presentation, maybe it's unit four. I can literally just open my Google Drive and drag it right into my Canvas course. Uh, in addition, I can create what we call Google Cloud assignments, which operates very similar to Google Classroom. It's like, you know, if I had maybe a lab report that I wanted students to all have a copy of, and it is living in my Google Drive, I can tell Canvas, hey, this is a Google Cloud assignment, and it gives every single student a copy, their own individual copy. Now, it only doesn't give them a copy, but it also saves it to their Google Drive. So inside of Canvas, the kids know no different. They actually are receiving something from my Google Drive and it's making a copy of it in their Google Drive as well. So there's a lot of things like that that happen that, you know, kids don't know any different. They're inside of Canvas. They're just operating it. But it's really a lot of cool stuff happening on the backside. There is a new Google integration that just got released as well. And not only does it have all the other features, but now it, we're including originality reports. So kids are getting the ability to have their own copy. They get to run an originality report when they're doing some work to say, hey, I think I'm on the up and up with this, <laughs> but just making sure. So it's like that plagiarism checker. So the kiddos can look at their report based on all of those different resources. But a teacher also has the ability to look at an originality report too. And all of it lives within Canvas. So it's just, it's just all of these different little parts and pieces that just make it so robust. But a, the Google's a really, really good example of an integration. Another one that teachers love is Flipgrid. And during the pandemic, a lot of people were really going that direction. And inside of Canvas, you have the ability to have a Flipgrid assignment. Kids know no different. They have no idea that they're using a Flipgrid, really, other than they can put the mustaches and the crazy faces. But teachers are able to grade those Flipgrid videos inside of Canvas, just like they would be able to grade any other assignment type. So it's really all of these different integrations, but they're all kind of centrally located in one space. That's funny you bring it up too, because actually our the episode after this one is about Flipgrid and we got a chance to speak with Ann Cosma of Flipgrid about all the great things you can do with that. And so uh, again, as you were mentioning there, it just works seamlessly with Canvas. And that's so important because even if you're someone who's accustomed to using Google Classroom, right? It's almost, it's daunting to think, hey, you're taking this away from me and you're forcing me into a new space uh, at a time when I need all the time that I can get as a classroom teacher, right? To be able to facilitate learning and meet the demands of the present moment and teaching in two spaces for so many folks. Uh, and so it's terrific that there's a way to do that that keeps it very efficient and simple um, in transitioning from what you've done before to now, right? And are there other programs? One of the integrations that my teachers are using a ton right now is called Cami, which is K-A-M-I. Um, essentially, it's sought after for being a PDF filler inner. That, that's a terrible word, but you know what I mean? It, it, it annotates on top of PDFs. And it's a really powerful tool, but what my teachers are finding is it is so much cooler than that. Cami, it, it's made to annotate, but it also will talk to text for students. It'll read worksheets, read reports, read things to students. Wow. So if you have a student that needs something read to them, it has like 30 different languages it will read in or 30 different voices and it can determine how fast or how slow. But the thing I love about that integration is you could have a very flat worksheet. In fact, I was it was a music teacher I was talking to recently. She said, I really want my kids to look at this worksheet or look at this line of music. And I want them to be able to clap out the rhythm and I wanna be able to hear it. And I said, okay. I said, well, Cami is a great solution for that because a student can literally click on the number 
an audio recorder starts and they can clap out that rhythm and it attaches it to that specific question. So it, it not only is able to annotate on top of like type and write, you can make videos on top of questions. You can make audio recordings on top of questions. You can insert images. And so what was a very flat assignment now is super, super rich. You know, I'm a math teacher. So I think about if, if I was in the pandemic and I was having my students like do uh, order of operations, it would be super rich to say, okay, I want you to explain to me what was the first thing you did when you looked at this problem? You know, I can have them give me an answer. That's pretty simple. And you know how kids are. <laughs> they, can, they can Snapchat that stuff real fast. But if they use their voice and they're explaining to me how they went through a process, that's so much more powerful than me just right. getting an answer. So Cami is a really great solution. It works seamlessly in Canvas as well. Um, kids don't really know they're out of Canvas. But that's another one that's been a great solution for a lot of our folks because they all like are, have all these PDFs. What do I do? Um, so that's one that really, really is, is awesome. Another, they have Nearpod. There's a Nearpod integration and an Edpuzzle integration. And I know a lot of our teachers will use YouTube because there's a lot of resources out there. There's Khan Academy. So those are the ones that come to my head at the very top. There's also all these paid for integration. I shouldn't say paid for, but for example, Pearson. If you have Pearson text and you want to be able to move some of that in, I think of my sister-in-law, she's a math teacher and she has Pearson Envisions. Well, there is the ability to actually bring all of that content in so that students aren't having to manage multiple platforms. It might be though that you have to have a subscription or when you purchase that textbook series that you had to buy the, the technology part of it, or I don't know exactly what they call it, but you had to purchase that as well. And so if you did that, there are apps or LTIs that allow you to actually pull in your resources from those textbook companies. So lots of different LTIs and apps out there. Now, LTI is a weird word. It really just means app. It's like learner third-party interoperability. What the heck does that mean? It means, <laughs> it means an app. I don't know. It's a third-party app. That's what I always tell people. I don't know. Let's just use the same word. <laughs> yeah, we're teachers here. Come on, we don't need we got enough app. acronyms. Yeah, it's an app. Oh, no kidding. It's an app. So, but no, um, there's lots of good ones out there. You just have to, to take a look. I'm like, I'm always using the Google. Like what's out there? Yeah. So. Well, and I'm going to ask this to them because I know so many elementary teachers that Seesaw is their jam. Oh, huge. Uh, yeah. And so there is an opportunity there as well, right? So I have a lot of schools that use Seesaw as well. Um, this year has really been the first year that we've had a huge push in the K-6 arena. You know, for, you know, Canvas has kind of been thought of as a 7-12 solution, but a lot of my districts this year jumped on to the K-12 initiative, primarily because of the parent focus. They are really wanting a consistent way to communicate with parents. And I think the feedback that they got in the spring was parents were getting messages from this teacher and an email from this teacher, and they were getting a remind from the school. And there were so many different places that communication was coming from that now these K-6 folks, my, some of my principals said, I just want parents to be able to log into one place and see their third graders stuff, their seventh grader stuff, and their eighth grader stuff all in the same space. And so we've kind of moved that direction. And Seesaw has been a huge part of that is that these teachers might, they might be using Seesaw on a regular basis, but a lot of my schools are still using Canvas to communicate. Like, here's what we're doing this week. Here are the Seesaw activities that are involved. Now, I don't know if y'all know, but Seesaw just recently came out with, you can actually link out to a specific activity where before you could only link to the platform in general. 
now I can link out to the specific reading activity. So a lot of my teachers will have Canvas, like their weekly agenda on their homepage, and they'll just link out to that Seesaw activity. So once again, we're like this springboard of activities where a kid's come into their homepage and they're like, oh, I need to do the Seesaw activity. Click on it, take somebody to Seesaw. So a lot of cool things out there. And Seesaw is a great solution for those littles, for sure. As someone who, I mean, my heart and my passion is in the idea of let's do learner-centered, learner-driven learning, personalization. I just, I'm really silver lining, right? I'm not excited about the present moment. I'm over it, to be quite honest. <laughs> but <laughs> You and but, everybody else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but silver lining with this is that I do think that our capacity to be able to facilitate asynchronous experiences when it makes sense and, and when it's you know, level appropriate and, and with the right scaffolding and support of students and being able to take those on. But, but I think we're get, like learners as well are growing in their capacity to be able to self-manage and, and move through their work. Uh, and an LMS is critical in, in that. And so something I wanted to kind of ask you, I guess, is how do you see this maybe playing out post pandemic versus is this just a for now thing? Yeah, I've been met with that for so many I keep telling people, people keep telling me, we're just going to stay in our classrooms. We're not going to need to go remote. I said, that's fine. Canvas isn't a pandemic solution. It's an everyday solution. And that's what we really have to get past this. Like, this is a tool to help me right now in this present moment. It's not going to be beneficial later. And I say, that's not true. I, you know, I, I, I was a classroom teacher for 12 years and you can't tell me that when you're teaching in front of a classroom, that every student is engaged with what you're saying every single minute of the day. It's just not true. And I think of, you know, I think of a classroom on a typical school day. I was high school, obviously, but I might have four kids gone for track and I might have a kid that's at the doctor and I might have another student that has to jump out to go to speech and language. And I might have a kid that it's in class, but their parents are getting divorced and they're not listening to anything I'm saying. And I might have another kid that's fighting with her best friend and she's not paying attention either. I mean, those things are real. I, right. I think we, we think that, oh, they're in our classroom and they're, they're with me every moment of every day. And, and I really would argue that Canvas is a great, like, it's like a work along. It allows you to provide all those resources to students, whether they're in your classroom or not. My, my son broke his leg his sophomore year of high school. And I tell this story a lot when I train. And when he broke his leg, I was super upset. He's a really good student. And we have Canvas. We had Canvas at our school. And this is nobody's fault of their own. It's just what happened. But, um, but it was one of those situations where we, live, we have a very old building without an elevator. And it's four stories. And Blake essentially, well, right when it happened, kind of got put in a room and was told that people would bring worksheets to him. And he stayed in this room. And as a parent... I was sort of frustrated. As a Canvas person, I was super frustrated because I was like, it could have been so much different. And, and looking back now, we didn't see it at the time. He was kind of blue and, and kind of in a dark spot. And I don't know, I just, I just was very fired. I remember being very fired up. And it's not just my kid. You know, I was a teacher and I had a student who had anxiety. He would only come to class like once a week, maybe. And we didn't have Canvas at that time. But I think back and I think what a powerful tool that would have been if we had he would have been so much more successful if we would have had the ability to do that. And it's not just like kids that are gone. I think about an elementary classroom and maybe they're doing station rotation. Guess what? Canvas can be that station for them to give that teacher the break to be able to work with another group of kids, small group. Canvas can be the kind of the voice to fill that space. So I, I like to think that it's not a pandemic solution. It's an everyday solution. And let's be real. If kids are learning how to like 
I don't know all the crazy stuff they're learning on YouTube. My children will watch a YouTube video and all of a sudden they're like making a brick wall with mortar or something. <laughs> if they can do that, they can definitely learn something, you know, asynchronously. So, so I don't know. I think I love it. I think it's a great solution, um, not only for, and, and, and not even just solution, it's like a springboard. I remember, you know, when we first went one-to-one -one at our school, and I remember I would want students to access a specific website, and this is so random, but I would put the HTTPS, you know, colon, backslash, and this is before I knew about Bitly, and you'd write right. out like this 56 character URL on the board, and you're like, okay, go there, I want you to go there. Guess what, they don't need to do that anymore. Just log in, put the link, they just go right there. So it's just, you can use it for so many different things, but it's just a super powerful platform that only enhances what we do. I don't think it takes away from, so. And I'm with you, my background's English. And so I know like in a math class, for example, you're gonna have a linear progression typically of concepts where I have to get concept A to get to concept B and so on. And something like Canvas could facilitate those independently, right? This asynchronous learning and, and ask in what many of us I think kind of call a playlist, right? So you're going to go from this module to this module, module, et cetera, if that's kind of how you think about it. Um, but in an English class, we might have six or seven different lessons and there isn't that linear progression that's necessary. And I really liked giving students the responsibility of having two weeks to finish seven different lessons as we would think about it traditionally. Um, but having them set their own goal and having them pick which one they're going to go through that day and look at, you know, their pre-test data to determine what kind of things they might need. And your LMS facilitates all of that and makes it yeah. all accessible and organized. So it's certainly in person uh, has its usefulness. And, and I, I look forward to seeing us once people become more and more comfortable with that because of the present moment, I think that we're just going to see practices vastly sure. improve in how they leverage it and face-to-face. So with that being said, because we're kind of talking systems there, I know you've had an opportunity to work with uh, administrators and, and thinking about this from the district level support. Uh, what are some maybe tips or pieces of advice you might give to admin listening in as they're thinking about trying to support their educators with Canvas? Yeah, so we, we actually do a lot of work. I, I work part-time for Canvas as well. And I work for what we call the Center of Leadership and Learning. And so we work with administration a lot to really kind of jumpstart their implementation. And I think one of the key words is consistency. And we talk a lot about what does that mean? Like if you're consistent, what exactly are we talking about? And there are some key things in Canvas, some new things that make it really cool. For example, there's a new feature called blueprinting. Now, blueprinting really means that what we're doing is we're creating a master course. Let's say, for example, typically we think about it this way. You have a biology master course. It's built out. It's beautiful. And you have five different teachers who all teach the same course. You blueprint that out, which means you basically make a copy for every single teacher, and they have all the same stuff. Like, that's what we think about generally. But even in our small schools that we have, I used this with my schools this fall, a lot of them, and we used it not for necessarily the content, but to make it easier for our teachers. So we would change the navigation. So we would get rid of all of these extra links on the left-hand side for teachers so that students had a better experience. We would adjust the navigation. We would adjust the settings inside of the course. We would come up with some sort of customized homepage that students would see when they'd log in. And then we would blueprint that out to all of our courses so that when a student would log into their English course, it would be very similar to when they logged into their math course um, to help reduce some of that confusion. So it wasn't necessarily the content. It was kind of like the shell we were kind of trying to prepare. And another thing that we would send out with that blueprint was like a welcome to Canvas for students. Like, here's a module. Here are all the things like what, what, you know, what browser do I need to be using? What are the apps looking like? Like, how, where do I find help? 
we would push that out. And so all of those pieces would be consistent across all the classrooms. So that's a tool that really allows you to kind of create some safety for teachers because they're not having to adjust their settings. They're not having to do all of that stuff because they're trying to learn Canvas currently and they don't want to mess with any of that stuff. So it, that's a nice, nice thing that we can do to kind of help our teachers out. Another thing that Canvas offers, but you can also create yourself, is just a basic template. So, you know, in that template, you might have a homepage and you might have like a basic module structure or, hey, when we create an assignment, here's a basic template or like a guide of what should be included. Those are super helpful for teachers as well. One of the things that um, I really have found to be more, um, it was kind of like a nice to have before, but when the pandemic hit, homepages became huge because now teachers weren't necessarily meeting with kids face-to-face. -face, so they couldn't say, hey, Johnny, Jenny, Sally, Susie, we're going to have this due on Thursday and we're going to do it today in class, but it's due on Thursday. Now there is this asynchronous thing going on and they're like, kids aren't really sure when I'm giving them the assignment. They just know that it's due on Friday, right? right. And so homepages became such a deal this spring. And so I was creating homepages for everybody, I swear. And, but, but just trying to keep that idea of being consistent. So when a student logs in in third grade or seventh grade or whatever, and maybe the parent is behind them kind of trying to help the parents not frustrated either. And so um, we talk about homepages and we say, it doesn't necessarily that they're all exactly the same, but maybe we need to think about key features that are similar. Like maybe everybody's homepage needs to be that, how do parents communicate with you if they, have, if they need help? What are they doing this week? You know, what are they supposed to be doing? And this kind of ties into what Canvas calls the fundamental five. They have these five questions every course should answer. And so, a lot of times I'll tell my schools, you should have a checklist. Like this is what we call a good course. And here are the, the things that we should be having a part of it. So you have a homepage, you have these key features on your homepage. Maybe it's that you're, it's little things like you're checking your Canvas inbox every day and you're putting your announcements on top of your homepage, but you could have some sort of checklist. We're kind of going here and there, but templates are awesome. Blueprinting is awesome. And then I always tell people, create some sort of checklist for your school. Like these are the things that we would like you to put your course next to and make sure that all of these things are being met kind of a thing so that we can be consistent. I would add to the things that could potentially be on a homepage too, just to kind of build upon previous pod conversations, things like you know, we spoke with uh, Robert Dillon, who's really big on learning space and, and the design of that. And he talked about how in a classroom, uh, it's important to not show the end product necessarily as much as it is to have pictures or, or things of, of people working through the process of learning. And so what does it look like maybe to try to capture some of that and share that digitally in a way that's appropriate too, right? We got to watch yeah. the student faces aren't on there. Uh, but then also things like just making sure that, that maybe your face is up there leading learning in some way and that you are present in that digital space and that it's not just this static thing that just shares a bunch of text when they're, like you said, Absolutely. maybe going to eight different classrooms over the course of a day. How are they going to feel like you're a learning leader there um, within yours? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that's powerful about Canvas as well. And um, I was working with some elementary teachers last week. Oh my goodness, they were the best group ever. And they were like, Shara, we want to keep this super simple. They were a fourth grade group. And they were like, we want to keep this super simple. They had some students that were having to learn remotely because they were quarantined. And so they were trying to figure out a solution for how they could make it simple. You know, right now our teachers are facing not only in-person instruction in Nebraska, but we have teachers that are also teaching remotely. So they're doing both. And so these teachers are being taxed with 
not only do I have to prepare for all these kids in my classroom, but I'm also having this kid who's watching me or in Zoom where I'm making them videos and I'm having to do both. And so they're like, we need it to be simple. And I said, awesome. Canvas has the ability to insert media anywhere. So they, I just said, I encouraged them. I said, I would just use the recorder that's in built in to Canvas and I would just record yourself. They wanna see your face. Yep. And that's simple for littles. And not only can teachers do that, but so can students. And that's what I love is you can make it as simple as possible or you can make it as robust as, you know, whatever you want. Canvas is a, it's a blank slate. You do what you want, but that recording feature is awesome because it personalizes it. Not only can I give my instruction with the recording, but I also can grade with my video. And so if I'm talking to a student about, hey, I was reading your paragraph and your supporting details just need a little bit more work. Could you please look at, and I can do that all in a video. I don't necessarily have to type it out. It can be super personal. So I, I love that, that you mentioned that because I like when teachers interject themselves versus just having it be Saul Khan. I like Saul Khan, he's great, but it's nice for them to hear your own voice as well. Absolutely. Uh, and made me think of another idea while you were talking there too. I've in person done this with revision activities where we'll make nine revision videos to cover all the different revision st uh, potential steps for let's say a personal narrative. But you know what, if, if Johnny only needs three or, or five of those nine because he has a strength in the rest of them, it's so much easier, I think, as a greater given feedback to just put down, go watch video one, four, and seven. Mm -hmm. And now you're micro learning and you're focused on one skill at a time. And so make sure you watch it and then edit for that and watch four and edit for that and watch seven and edit for that. Uh, and so any place that can house that and facilitate that easily. And I like what you said there too, as far as, and then I can go in and give in additional feedback mm -hmm. as those different steps are completed is just another way in which yeah canvas is canvas here to stay it's something something that in in any and all settings is going to be useful and uniquely i think it's going to serve or has the potential to serve a really cool purpose within our esu network and our collaborations truly just statewide can you kind of talk a little bit there's a video that i recorded not too long ago with gary needham of esu 9 where we went through some of this and so if you'd like to check that out on our our ESUCC YouTube page. Uh, we're also going to share that resource out. But just in a nutshell, for people that haven't seen that, what's the potential uh, for us to collaborate using Canvas now that everyone's really moving to that LMS? In Canvas, there are uh, there's a lot of tools that are built in, and actually some new features that have just coming out that allow us to share with people super simply. But what we have to realize is every single school has their own Canvas, and that's true for the ESUs as well. So, for example, you know ESU one and ESU two, we have our own Canvas instance. We use the word instance, which basically just means our own environment. But we have the ability to build what we call trust relationships. And when we build a trust relationship, let's say between ESU1 and ESU2, it allows us to share content, but it also allows us to kind of enroll one another into our courses. A better example would be at Oakland Craig and Takema Herman, we used to share a teacher and the teacher would teach FCS for both schools, but, but they wouldn't travel. And so what we would do is we would just, we have a trust relationship between our schools. So let's say that Billy needs to be enrolled into this course and he lives in Oakland, we can just enroll him into the course at Takema. He doesn't know any different. He's just in his Oakland Craig canvas, but the Takema course populates because we have what we call a trust relationship. So with this ESUCC, ESU NDE initiative going forward, the, the conversation has really moved to, let's take some time to really figure out what would be the best structure on the backside. Nobody's going to see it, 
but what would be the best way to kind of join and be able to share and join forces so that we're not replicating or, you know, all living in silos necessarily, but we can all share stuff. And, and I just think of, you know, we have these statewide events every fall and spring and winter PDO where we all come together and we get a Google agenda and we're, I have all these links, but really if it's built correctly, we could all just be enrolled in a course where everything is accessible but we are all accessing it from our own ESU instance of Canvas. So we don't know any different, but it just allows us all to share things really, really nicely. So hopefully we're gonna get that done. I know there's been a lot of conversation. And then also, you know, there's something called catalog that kind of lays on top of all of that. So we have our structure put in place and then catalog is kind of like the storefront of Canvas. So say for example, you wanted to go and you wanted to take a class. Catalog is kind of like the storefront and you get to look and browse through all the different courses and you're like, oh, I would like to take this training on mindfulness. Well, you just, you'd select the course and it would enroll you. So catalog is another layer that they're talking about interjecting at some point, but basically we want to make sure the structure on the backside is set up correctly so that we're all being able to share and communicate and collaborate with one another. And there's other things as well. For example, Canvas Commons, right? Canvas Commons is like, I always, I shouldn't say this out loud, but people relate to this. It's teachers pay teachers of Canvas, mm -hmm. right? It's this share space, but it's free. You're not paying anybody. Everything's free. But for example, I found um, a, a math and visions class, fifth grade math and visions already built, completely built out. And so people are sharing things that they've already created, all these templates that we've been talking about. This spring, oh my goodness, there are people creating templates like crazy, but commons is another way for us to collaborate and you can create a consortium in commons, which means, hey, I just want my ESU2 schools to have their own share space. And so we have our own ESU2 commons. And so all my ESU2 schools can actually share things with just our ESU2 schools. And so we have some abilities to add that on top of it as well. So there's lots of different potential there for sharing and communicating, collaborating inside of Canvas. Gosh, it's really helping us to work smarter, to collaborate more effectively and efficiently. And, and I love that professional learning piece too, where if we start to create courses that are able to be shared through the catalog, what that means for our, uh, our own professional growth within the ESUs yeah. and, and just for all educators, uh, it's just gonna be really powerful. Well. Once again, and I do literally say this every week, a half an hour goes incredibly fast. And so, uh, Cheryl, we, we are at the end of our time here, but I guess to kind of close today, if you would, uh, if you're going to impart some message to people who I can't imagine after listening to this that you wouldn't want to get Canvas, uh, <laughs> but I just want to give you the floor to have a little space to close this out. Yeah. So what I would say is start small. I think people get overwhelmed with all, we talked about a lot of things today and there are a lot of things you can do, but truly start simple, like create an assignment, have the students submit the assignment, practice grading the assignment. You don't have to build out four units in a matter of six days, start small. Um, it, this, I don't know if this analogy, I was working with this teacher the other day and she was a gem. I just loved her. And she said to me, she goes, Shara, this was after our time together. She goes, Shara, she goes, Canvas is kind of like the pandemic. And I said, well, why do you say that? And she goes, because it was really, really scary. She said, I was so overwhelmed and scared. She's like, but now that I'm working in it, she goes, I've learned how to manage and I've learned how to work inside of it and not be so stressed. And so I thought that was interesting. I was like, huh. She's like, because everybody was talking about it, like it was this big thing and it was so stressful. And she's like, and all I worked with her was, we, were, we she has a remote student. And I said, okay. 
let's create an instructional video using the video recorder and let's create an assignment. Now let's link those both to your homepage. And that's all we really focused on. We started really, really small. She wasn't frustrated. She was like, this is easy. I'm like, I know. We just have to start small and then build and just learn a little bit all the time. You don't have to know everything right away. That would be my biggest piece of advice because I think people just get too overwhelmed. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Let's just accomplish one thing. And, and sometimes I'll, I often will go back to teachers and I'll say, what would you be doing in your classroom if you were, it was a regular school day? Let's try to kind of model or create something that would replicate that just to start, you know, like, what are you already doing? Let's, we don't have to recreate the wheel. What are you already doing? So start small, give yourself grace because I feel like we all need that right now. Um, but true. stick, but stick with it. I will tell you when we started using canvas, I hated it. And people, people look at me and like, what? And it was primarily because I was the one responsible for teaching it. And I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and it was like, if I could just stay one day ahead of my teachers, it was amazing because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but really quickly as we, I think we implemented like when school started, literally, like we got it the day school started. Um, but really quickly, we all learned that it was super powerful and I fell in love with it. So if I can fall in love with it, you can too. Just give yourself some grace and start small. So Shara, thank you so much for like that final message. I just really appreciate you've been such an advocate for Canvas over the course of this entire time. I know you've been working so hard with helping, you know, individual schools, teachers, as you've mentioned several times, our ESUs. And I know that personally, I'm headed to a training later this week. I'm going to go to CanvasCon on Thursday. And CanvasCon is going to be a pretty big event for us. Uh, and I know a number of people across the state have already uh, registered for that. Sorry, uh, it is closed uh, as of October 9th. So you'll have to learn through some of the people that are maybe in attendance there. But uh, you're presenting there, right? And I don't know, what's your session about? Just real quick to close this out. Yeah, so my my good friend Todd Theobald and I, he is a he's a principal in Utah. He and myself are doing a session on what we call the, the fundamental five. And in Canvas, our work centers around making learning personal. And what we reference as the fundamental five is essentially five questions that we should be answering for kids every single day in our Canvas space. And those five questions are, what am I supposed to be doing? Which seems very simple, right? And so we try to walk you through the tools in Canvas that can kind of show kids what they're supposed to be doing every day, <clears throat> homepage. Um, the second question is, when is it due? And that one's very simple as well. You give it a due date, folks. That's, what, that's how that works. Uh, the third question is, how did I do? And that's providing that rich, meaningful feedback. And the fourth one is, can you help me? And lastly, what more can I do? So those are the five questions that Canvas has really coined as the fundamental five. And what we found is if we can answer those five questions within our Canvas course, we reduce anxiety for students and we increase learning. So we're doing our session on that. Todd and I, we have a lot of fun together. We usually banter quite a bit. And so that's kind of what our session rolls around. Terrific. And that, you know, I think there's some overlap there too with, and I'm sort of initiative dropping here by saying our lunch bunch, but we're actually going to be talking about teacher clarity coming up here in a couple of weeks. And uh, so much of it is those things that you're talking about. It's important for us to think about, are we really setting students up for success by giving them uh, clear expectations and the progression through which they need to access resources and and submit things. And so that's awesome that you guys are advocating for that there. Uh, and I'll just close by saying thank you. Thank you so much. I've been working thank you for having crazy me. busy hard all throughout this time. And uh, I, I having this resource to share out with people is, is just another uh, place for that you're having an impact. So thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me.